We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And we are here on what should be the opening weekend of Big Ten football and Indiana football in 2020. However, it is not. Uh, We'll discuss that uh, and a little bit more on the situation in the Big Ten as uh, three other Power Five conferences prepare to open open the season uh, either this weekend or Later this month, we had an FCS game last weekend in, I guess, what we'll call week zero, and it went off without a hitch, as far as we know. So there are a lot of Big Ten fans who might be looking around and wondering, was this the right decision? Uh, But we'll see. Before we get into that, um, after we get into that, we'll get into Indiana's history with Wisconsin, talk a little bit about um, that matchup historically, you know, our favorite uh, favorite memories, uh, big time performances on both sides, and, and all of that. But before we get into that, we have uh, a word from our sponsors over at Bet Online. As sports keep coming back, unless you're the Big Ten, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, as well as the NHL, and there are no shortages of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expensive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his playing. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, Well, TJ, if you couldn't tell from my tone, I'm a little upset that the Big Ten is not playing football this weekend. It's rough. I mean, we have, um, you know, we've talked before here in the past couple weeks, you know, offline about um, just how bizarre it is that, you know, peewee football in this state playing, middle school football playing in most cases, high school football, uh, so far so good, two weeks in. um, And that's been the most exciting thing sports-wise we've had around here in terms of football is Brownsburg beating uh, an Ohio powerhouse in a, a fun game on TV. Wild, wild um, game. Yeah, NFL on track to play, and the Colts are going to have at least some fans in the, the cavernous Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Notre Dame looks like, despite their their issues, uh, looks like they're going to play. Indiana and Purdue 
are not. Um, it, it's bizarre. It really is. Uh, what you know, you have to ask yourself: What makes Indiana and Purdue situations so different than the rest of them? And the answer is nothing. Uh, in reality, nothing other than the Big Ten University presidents. Uh, in my opinion. Um, took some information that interpreted it a way differently than others have, uh, came to conclusion, I think, based on a fear of litigation over, you know, potential long-term health effects to a player if they contract COVID uh, and, you know, become seriously ill while playing Big Ten football. Uh, that appears to be the biggest driving factor to me was a fear of long-term litigation and the cost that that could have. I do think it's somewhat ironic that, you know, maybe a fear of litigation drove the decision to, to postpone or, or cancel uh, fall football. The Big Ten is currently being sued uh, for that very decision. Now, does that suit have merit does it have any any way to to go anywhere and really cause any damage to the big 10 absolutely not uh, other than just another in a growing list of you know pr nightmares that the big 10 has dealt with here in the past couple weeks it's incredibly frustrating uh, we should be having a conversation right now uh, about how indiana matches up with wisconsin in what would have been a great showcase for Indiana football uh, or, you know, another embarrassing, uh, you know, mud stomping by the Wisconsin Badgers of Indiana football. But yeah, it would have been a great spot on a Friday night in Camp Randall. That would have been really cool. Uh, and instead, you know, we're going to talk about how the season is maybe going to happen in November, but not going to happen, you know, this weekend. And yep. – we're going to discuss the historical uh, matchup series between the two schools. It, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, and there's also a feeling of just, for me at least, uh, it has tainted my excitement for the rest of college football, which really just angers me because nothing should take away from, from that. Uh, but with the Big Ten not playing – it's really soured how much I'm looking forward to the rest of the conferences that are playing. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, TJ, um, about three weeks ago when the news dropped that the big 10 was postponing their season on August 11th. And it looked at the time, like it could be the right decision. Um, things were trending in a way where cases were spiking and, you had all this myocarditis stuff, which is not a unique, it's not a unique ailment um, to people who, it, it, with viruses. It's, it's one of the side effects and it's a terrible side effect, um, but it is a reaction to any virus. And it just happens that, you know, you know, COVID's a, a very dangerous virus and, and, it's prevalent, but, you know, it was, I think, six days or five days between the schedule drop, and you really had people feeling excited and good, and then 
all of a sudden you hit the brakes and, and nothing really changed to me in terms of the health information. Um, the only thing that I will point to, I think it's an amateurism issue. You know, you had the Pac-12 and the Big Ten join forces in the let them play or and and that movement. And, you know, it, it just it screams to me that if they had let these two conferences play, you're now subjecting these student athletes to something that a normal student probably wouldn't be subjected to, even though the Big Ten is opening up campuses and everybody's opening up campuses. Had they closed campuses to the general public and created a semi-bubble uh, or even a bubble uh, for that that for that matter, they probably would have the season, but the car, the power goes back to the players saying, Hey, if it's not safe on campus for students, it, you know, maybe we, you know, we're not treated as normal students and we deserve a larger slice of the pie. So I think that's, that played in, into it um, along with the litigation on long-term health. But to me, it, it, you know, the big 10 looks really, really bad right now. And you know, only time will tell, you know, what will happen. If the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 all get their seasons off without a hitch, you know, the Big Ten's sitting there with egg on their face. Now, on the other side, if disaster unfortunately strikes these conferences playing and there's outbreaks and, and players have to retire due to issues, then it's on – then the, the Big Ten looks smart. Um, and only time will tell. But right now, you're sitting here. Other teams are playing. You're frustrated. Um, the Big Ten has not handled this well at all. And I know a lot of people are going after Kevin Warren for it. But it's the guys who he works for that have not been transparent, that have not been available to the media, um, who have not said anything. It's the presence of these universities who – have open campus so they could charge full tuition for students um, and then threw the ball in the students' courts and said, hey, knock off these parties and all that stuff, or we're going virtual, which takes all the responsibility off the university and, and giving refunds and, and all that stuff. If you came in and said, hey, it's not safe enough, we're going virtual, people are going to demand that they get some of that room and board back. But if if student parties and frat parties and all that stuff force their hand, it, it kind of takes the liability away from the school and puts it on the students in terms of, of who's paying for it. But again, you're a college university president. You have to know that you're bringing back tens of thousands of 18 to 22 year olds, and they're going to do what 18 and 22 year olds do, think they're invincible, go out and party and socialize. Um, I don't know if all these presidents are so far removed in their ivory tower, but right now they're counting their tuition money and it's a really, really bad look that not have Pac-12 or Big Ten football starting in the fall. And it's, it's a decision that as time has gone on, I've got angrier and angrier. At first it was, okay, I understand why they did it. There's, all this data, there's the myocarditis, but you had enough time to maybe kick it, kick the can down the road a little bit. Maybe you didn't have to start on September 5th. Maybe you start 
like the SEC on September 26th and things like that. But to me, it's a terrible look. You're getting dragged through the mud in the media. You're getting dragged through the mud on social media by fans. Um, you know, and, and there's some really funny stuff out there with, with parody videos, but it, it's, come on. It, it's, and, and then now you're waffling to go back into November and, that's the peak of flu season and it's the end of these seasons where, where the other conferences are playing. Are you going to be eligible to play in the national title game? If you're not, what's the point? It's just a whole big mess. And, and it's really, really uh, irking me, but let's get on to a, I guess, slightly happier topic is Indiana's history against Wisconsin. Uh, it is not much happier, but, Indiana was supposed to open up at Wisconsin, like you said, TJ. Historically, the Badgers have had Indiana's number. They lead the all-time series 41-18 to with two ties in there. Wisconsin's currently on a 10-game win streak. Uh, the last IU win came in 2002. Just what about this matchup? Has IU just reeling right now? Well... I mean, you you mentioned the, the ten game winning streak. Really, for me, over the past I'd say decade, uh, you know, the ten games which uh, Indiana's last win was two thousand two. But really, these the last I think it's been seven games over the past uh, eleven years, and the closest one, which is hard to believe. But the closest one was 2017. Uh, Tom Allen's, you know, team took on, uh, I believe it was Paul Christ already at that time. So yep. lost 42 to 17. Um, that is the, the closest that Indiana has been to Wisconsin uh, since 2009, which is mind-boggling. I mean, there are some absolutely ridiculous beatdowns in that span and I think looking back on those games and remembering those games there's not a team that I have gone into having less hope than I did against Indiana or when it was Indiana going against Wisconsin uh, while Kevin Wilson or Bill Lynch were the coaches. I had absolutely zero hope going into those contests. Against Michigan, yep. I thought there was a chance. Ohio State, I thought, well, you never know. Wisconsin, nope, no chance. No matter what the spread was, if I would ever bet against Indiana, I would have bet on the Badgers. And I think the biggest reason for that uh, is Wisconsin's physicality and rushing game against IU's defensive lines. It has been a complete and total mismatch, not like varsity versus JV, like varsity versus a freshman team. Uh, Indiana's defensive lines have been completely bullied by Wisconsin's offensive lines in those matchups. Look at the rushing totals that Wisconsin has had in those games. Uh, it's, it's not pretty at all. It's complete domination. So I think that is the biggest problem that I used had. Um, and it's one of the reasons I was so much looking forward to this matchup because 
I really don't think that would have been the case anymore. Uh, Tom Allen's Indiana teams, you can say what you want about them. They are not perfect. I get that. But these guys aren't soft. And the defensive line that IU has is not one that's any longer going to be pushed around uh, to the effect or to the extent that Wisconsin has in the past. I think Wisconsin still would have run the ball, you know, pretty well because they do that against everybody. But they would not have bullied Indiana. Uh, it's a different IU program, and I was looking forward to seeing that because, you know, in my opinion, this was a really good measuring stick game for IU. And I was really curious to see you know, just how far have we come in terms of sheer physicality. Uh, Wisconsin's going to show that one way or the other. It's going to either show, hey, you're, you're a physical team and you're, you're willing to fight in the trenches, or they'll expose you as just a, a team that doesn't, doesn't have the size, doesn't have the girth, doesn't have the muscle uh, to play that prototypical old school Big Ten football. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's going to be the biggest one thing is the, the line play, offensive line for Wisconsin, defensive line for IU. It's been such a mismatch. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's immediately what everybody goes to. And, you know, you look at the, the game in 2012 where, you know, Wisconsin won 62-14. And this was in Bloomington. IU had an outside shot at, at representing whatever leaders or legends division they were in. Uh, yeah. But you, you look at 2012 and Wisconsin ran for 500, a Memorial Stadium record 564 yards and seven rushing touchdowns on 64 attempts. Um, and then for me in this matchup, it's about IU's offense, you know, outside of, you know, outside of 2009, when they scored 28 points, they scored 20 once since 2005. And that was, uh, or twice. And that was in uh, 2008 uh, in garbage time when they got up 20. And then in 2010, it was 83 to 20. And, and, there have been some good IU offenses. There have been some good IU offenses going up to to Madison that were just no shows. 2013, IU had arguably its best offense uh, of the Kevin Wilson era. They lost 51-3. You go back to 2007, uh, IU had a very good offense with Kellen Lewis and James Hardy, they lose 33 to three. Um, you know, 2006, only 17 points. You know, IU's offense hasn't been awful outside of 2011. And the most points they put up has been 28. And that was in, a, in 2009. So to me, it's the Badgers defense has always been, it's, it's like the offense, TJ, where it's just a beatdown. They go man against man, play very simple defense, and just bully you. And, and um, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the old saying in Top Gun, well, he bores you to death until you make a mistake. That's kind of what Wisconsin does. 
they're just going to do their thing until somebody else messes up. And unfortunately for IU, they tend to, you know, have a fumble or a big penalty or a block kick or an interception um, or things like that. So it's just historically been a bad matchup uh, since the, the early 90s. And it just hasn't gone IU's way. And it's frustrating because Wisconsin does – they don't do anything special. Like, you could understand if you're playing Navy, they run the option. And it's kind of unique. But Wisconsin, they just line up and kick your butt. And that's the most frustrating thing about it. Um, and that's the most frustrating thing about playing a team like Wisconsin is that the, the, you know what's coming, and you still can't stop it. Uh, and, you know, it, it's been that way for a while. So let's, let's get back on, on the bright side of things. What is your favorite IU memory uh, against playing, uh, playing Wisconsin? Oh, boy. I mean, there's very few to pick from in our lifetime. Uh, you know, Indiana did have a five-game winning streak uh, during the, the Bill Mallory era. I believe it was 89 to 93. Uh, and then that was pretty much the last positive with the exception of the 2002 game, uh, which I am going to write about later this week. Indiana knocks off a ranked Wisconsin team. Uh, now Wisconsin did not end up being all that good. I think they ended up finishing, I want to say eight and six maybe, or, or eight and well, maybe eight and five. I don't know, but they, they weren't great, but still a 15th ranked at the time in Wisconsin team uh, in Jerry DiNardo's first season uh, in charge in Bloomington. IU was not good, uh, finished the year three and nine in their lone Big Ten win. Uh, very surprisingly came by three over Wisconsin. Uh, that was the uh, a roster that included Jabron Hamden. Um, to, to give you an idea of how long it's been since IU has been successful uh, against Wisconsin. Uh, it was Jabron Hamden as the quarterback for the Hoosiers, uh, and he would go on to get drafted by the Redskins very late uh, in that upcoming NFL draft. But that one's pretty much the only positive. It was kind of a, in a, a season not, not very good, uh, but kind of on par with where IU's program was at the time. That was a, a rare bright spot for Indiana. It joined, I think their other wins were like Central Michigan and William and Mary, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then the, the <laughs> albatross in there that really stands out is Wisconsin. Um, it, it's not a, not a game that stands out in your memory as anything all that meaningful, as we know how the DiNardo era ended up. Uh, so it was not a signifier of things to come, and it, it didn't help Indiana accomplish anything that year, but uh, still a, a very nice win for Indiana in, uh, in what has been a series here really since the turn of the century that Wisconsin has bludgeoned the Hoosiers. Anytime you got even close, it was worth celebrating. Yeah, I remember watching that game in New York with my dad. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. IU, I think it was a 22-point comeback. Um, or IU scored 22 or 23 straight points. Uh, it, it was a dreary day in Bloomington. Uh, it was just a fun game to watch and, and watch that comeback. It was, and, 
think it was like mid-October, right? Like middle yeah. of the season-ish. Yeah, one of yeah. those foggy, cool, you know, Bloomington days. And, you know, you think about it and, and you look back at the DiNardo era and, and he, he beat three ranked teams and he beat yeah. Oregon at Oregon. He beat Wisconsin. And he beat a ranked Minnesota team. And you see all these people now who are clamoring for ranked wins. Um, and it, it really, you know, and I go back and forth on it, TJ, and, and you look every time, you know, IU beat Missouri, it was, it was labeled the biggest win ever. Um, they beat Michigan State at home and it was labeled it as a program-changing win, things like that. But it's what you do after those games. And, and Indiana lost out the rest of the season uh, that year. And, you know, you saw what they did yeah. after 2004 with Oregon and, and Minnesota and things like that. You know, there are games that I'd rather win the games that you should win and get to a bowl than maybe pull off an albatross upset uh, against a team and finish three and nine. Now, does IU need to get to that point to get to get um, ranked wins regularly? Uh, yeah, and, and God knows they have more than enough chances. Uh, but going back to my favorite memory, I'll take you back a year earlier uh, to Indiana's 63-32 win over Wisconsin at Camp Randall, where Indiana put up 32 points in the first quarter. And LeBron Williams and – Antoine Randall Elf just went off. Yeah. And it was an unbelievable day for both of them. Antoine ran, uh, Levron Williams ran for 280 yards uh, and six touchdowns. Randall L added 102 yards on the ground, 182 yards passing, and another touchdown through the air. Brian Lewis added a touchdown, and it was just a butt whooping. And Indiana replayed that game um, early on in the pandemic as part of their their Hoosier Classic series, which I really, really enjoyed. And it had the the in-stadium feed on it, which I actually enjoyed watching as well, uh, where it didn't have commentators. And you just – it's like being at the game and, and you have to watch um, and all those things. And it, it was fun watching the Wisconsin game because the mic was right next to a Wisconsin fan who was furious the entire game. And it was <laughs> hilarious. Um, and you could just imagine being there. But that was a game, um, you know, you had IU's defense played pretty well. Uh, they, even though they gave up 32 points, it was, you know, they had a whole bunch of tackles for losses to go up there. And while they're doing jump around, half the stadium is making their way out it was just a phenomenal scene. And it's something that, you know, you, you look at where Wisconsin was in the, the mid-80s, early 90s, and it's not too hard to imagine that IU could do that. Um, they were bad. They were a bad football team in the late 80s and early 90s when Bar Barry Alvarez started to take over, changed the culture, made an identity for that team, and that identity was that they're going to run the ball down your throat and they're going to play really, really good defense. And maybe every so often you get a Russell Wilson or a Joel Stave or a quarterback who can make some plays um, more than just a play-action pass and a 15-yard dump-off downfield, and you make a run towards a Big Ten title. And 
you know, you, you kind of look at that blueprint and they have the homegrown Wisconsin linemen who come in and just kick butt. And, and you look at it and you say, well, being in the Big Ten East, it might not be as easy, but, you know, why not? Why not Indiana? You know, it's, um, you know, Bloomington's a nice enough place and you got the facilities and, and you have have the opportunity to play all these teams in the Big Ten East um, unless they start canceling stuff again. But it's it's like, why why not us? So that's that's what I take away from that. Yeah. And uh, before we go on to, to top performances, TJ, uh, let's get another word in from our sponsor over at at uh, Bet Online. Uh, as sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing. College football outside of the Big Ten and Pac-12 are coming back as well, uh, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. Bet Online has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all of the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, uh, your online wagering expert. So let's go into top performances. Obviously, it's a good segue from that 2001 game where Leveron Williams went off uh, 280 yards on 20 carries, a 14-yard average, six touchdowns. What top performance uh, on either side stands out to you the most? I mean, my answer was the uh, the Lebron Williams game. Um, you know, it's you don't find guys do that in against really anybody, but against Big Ten opposition, uh, particularly doing it for Indiana against Wisconsin. Uh, that that's certainly a rarity, and and to see, uh, you know. That kind of those kind of numbers for Indiana running back against Wisconsin is incredibly impressive. It's one that I don't see being surpassed by uh, any individual player for the Hoosiers. I certainly would love to be wrong about that, but that that would be really hard to beat. Uh, you're right. You know, you mentioned Barry Alvarez. You're absolutely right about that. Um, it's hard to understate the or overstate the impact uh, that Barry Alvarez has had on Wisconsin. But uh, you know, it, it it tells you a lot about uh, what you know. I'm sure that a lot of people had things to do with this, but it tells you a lot about what one outstanding individual and outstanding leader within an athletic department, what kind of impact they can have. Um, I know it's, you know, it's easy to dismiss things like that, like a football coach or a athletic director. It's easy to dismiss those individuals in the grand scheme of things, but they can absolutely uh, change the course of, you know, of your program, not just in the short term, but for the long term and rewrite the narrative program of that school uh, and I know that you know we're football so I, I just wanted to get that in there it's you know you can't overstate the impact that one guy could have it's unlikely very unlikely it does not happen often but you have to look no further than Wisconsin to see how one man can completely change uh, the course of a program 
So Bud Ron Williams is my pick. And, and if we're, I guess, choosing standout performances for Wisconsin, we'll, we'll give that award to Barry Alvarez for all he's accomplished uh, in his time in Madison. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start with, with Wisconsin's standout performance. I go back to that 2012 game. Uh, sitting in the stands at Memorial Stadium record, 564 rushing yards on 64 carries, uh, seven touchdowns. You look at the line score, Monte Ball had 27 carries for, for 198 yards, three touchdowns. James White, 14 carries for 161 yards, two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, eight carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's a loaded backfield. You, you that's can't... a good backfield. That's yeah. that's a backfield that you, you had a three-headed monster, and then I think they ended up dropping seventy also on, um, on Nebraska in the Big Ten title game. Uh, speaking of people who are are making the Big Ten mad, uh, Nebraska. Uh, but for IU, uh, to me, it's it's going back to that two thousand and two game, and you look at, uh, you just look at the numbers that Jabron Hamden put up. In 2002, it was uh, it was quite an impressive um, an impressive performance. He was 24 of 36, 310 yards, four touchdowns, uh, a pick. He was sacked five times. Uh, he added 20. He added a, he had a net loss of of negative three yards. A net loss of three yards, but he added 24 non-sack rushing yards as well. Um, he spread the ball around. Four, at least four receivers had four re- or four receivers had at least four receptions or more. Four different guys caught t- touchdown passes, uh, and it was just you know a second half, um, second half comeback. IU scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, shut out Wisconsin in the fourth quarter to win 32-29. Uh, and that's the standout. Um, that's the performance I, re- I remember the best uh, in that game, in that that year as well. You could also go to 2009, uh, where IU lost 31-28. And you look at, um, you know, Tanda Doss put up a, a two-touchdown game with six uh, with six catches, Ben Chapel uh, threw for 323 yards and three touchdowns. So there have been a couple uh, of really good quarterback performances uh, against Wisconsin, but they are few and far between. Uh, so, TJ, uh, we're nearing the end of the podcast. Any final closing thoughts before we enter the first full week of FBS football? No, I'm. Uh... You know, I will have a kind of a weekly, maybe two pieces, at least one article every week on national college football stuff up on Hoosier Huddle. I'll try to give that kind of a unique, you know, angle to it. It won't be just a, hey, these here's the schedule for this week. It, it'll it'll be something a little bit more uh, interesting than that. So give that a give that a read. Not much happening this Saturday, but hey, it's football. It's better than nothing. Memphis and Arkansas State, probably the, the best game, if you will, on paper. Navy-BYU. Uh, Navy-BYU on Monday. That's true. That's part of it. Yeah, I was thinking more Saturday. You're right about that. Yep. Um, the week two kind of kicks off more of your Power 5 games. 
uh, in some more matchups, it'll be of, of interest. But um, yeah, I'm I'm bitter about uh, the way this is going for the Big Ten. I I hope we get to see Indiana play something resembling a full schedule, or at least a, an interesting eight games or something. I think that this team, you know, will be fun to watch. But um, uh, for now, since we can't control that, I guess we can, you know, at least watch college football and, and enjoy what uh, what we do have. And um, we'll have stuff up on the site regarding that. And I know there's going to be a lot of cool stuff up, uh, Indiana-centric, Indiana-focused for that as well. So give that a read and try to hang in there. I know that's an incredibly frustrating time for IU fans and for Big Ten fans, but um, hopefully we have something resembling a season to look forward to um, and we'll have Hoosier Huddle will be there to cover it or not cover it if it doesn't we'll go on either way yeah we'll just start making up things from 1800s play video games um, give yeah. random top five lists uh, you know top top five fourth string long snappers and big ten you know go, we're, we're scrapping the bottom of the well here on on some content but uh we also have our high school players those of them who are playing we have yep. them covered as well we've covered recruiting uh, i talked to jordan williams this weekend about his big performance uh he was electric on saturday if you guys missed it um trinity trinity christian down in texas had a big big win over knoxville catholic um and it was it was fun to watch jordan williams go off um, but my final thoughts on the Big Ten, it just came out that it was Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State who voted not to cancel the season or postpone the season. So those are the three that went against the vote. It looked like it. So it would be an 11-3 to vote um, if Adam Rittenberg's sources are correct. It seems that the Big Ten does have a leak uh, in their ship, and they need to get it together. But for me, it's – I. I hate rooting against against people, but there's a little bit of me that hopes that nobody plays, but I don't think that's realistic. So, you know, might as well enjoy it while it's while it's here. Uh, pick pick an ACC team, an SEC team, or Big 12 team. Adopt them as your team this year, uh, and, and things like that. Enjoy it. Enjoy college football while we have it. We'll see what the Big Ten does. Um, we'll break it down when it does happen, and things like that. But it, it's, you know, you have baseball playoffs um, warming up. You have uh, NBA and Stanley Cup playoffs uh, going on underway. And you have the beginning of college football in the NFL. So it's a great time to be a sports fan. Um, you could get out of all your social obligations and uh, sit in front of the TV. So uh, while there's no Big Ten uh, being played, no Indiana football, and we're disappointed about that, there's plenty of uh, other stuff to do. So we'll see. What my biggest thing is, I don't want the 2021 season to be impacted. Uh, that's my big thing. If you're going to play, uh, if you're going to play, play, play it where you don't play parts of two seasons. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. We have one more uh, word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. Um, 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. Uh, but there are, there is one thing you can control and that's shaving 
that's your shaving. Our sponsors over at uh, Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. So, uh, so go to manscaped.com, check out some of these life-changing products uh, like the Shears 2.0. It's a four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools uh, that include tip tweezers, rounded pointless scissors, uh, and, and all that stuff. So head over to manscaped.com. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns uh, by shaving uh, that front. All right. That does it for today's show. We'll be back next week as we look at the history uh, of the Penn State series. So what we're going to do is go through that 2020 schedule. we might actually throw in uh, the non-conference in there as well. So we'll go through game by game. We'll touch on who's, uh, you know, the, the history behind it, some big-time performances on both sides uh, and big-time performers. So thank you for joining us. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And hopefully we have Big Ten football back before you know it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.